Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Well, I guess Vinny ain't joining the pod, so I guess I'll run this one alone. Welcome to the Big Five Pod. Swung on a joke into right field. There it goes. See ya. First into the air. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes up to Back near the wall. It's out of here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 66 of the Big Fly Pod with your host, T. Lou, is uh, going to be running a solo show tonight while the fellows take a night off. Got a couple things to touch on here. We're going to make this a shorter episode, but it's been a little bit. I was on vacation for uh, down in the good old Florida, in Naples, Florida, for a little bit, which is really, really nice. And now back to it and just want to touch on a few things that happened over the last week or so that was pretty big news across baseball. Cody Bellinger heads back to the north side. The Dodgers swap out Manuel Margot for Kiko Kike Hernandez through some moves. Cardinals add a veteran shortstop and Brandon Crawford. And we discuss a few other things that happened last week that include TA to Miami and Mitch Keller gets the bag. Let's start off from the top. Cody Bellinger signs back with the Cubs on a three-year, $80 million deal. This deal comes with player opt-outs after the first and second season. So as a Cub fan, looking at it from the Cubs fan perspective, of course, for many of us, we were really hoping that they would be able to sign a left-handed bat to cover the three-hole this upcoming season. And it was something that was truly missing for this team in order to become a candidate to be uh, winning the NL Central. Looking from a non-biased standpoint, of course, Cody Bellinger had one of his best seasons of his career last year, of course, had a couple years in between his MVP season to now that has really really brought up a lot of questions for many folks as to what Cody Bellinger can provide. Now, the one thing that Cody Bellinger can provide, of course, is gold gold glove level defense across multiple positions. Um, Obviously, he's not going to be playing left field or right field for the Cubs this upcoming year. If he were to, he'd play it probably extraordinarily well, but generally plays center field and first base and is exceptional at both of those. Right now, looking at the Cubs from a position standpoint, and what this all looks like. Of course, you have PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong, the Cubs' number one overall prospect, waiting in the ranks to man the center field position, which has shown to be a 80-level grade defender out there in center field. So at this point, what that does for PCA is potentially alleviate maybe some stress on him and what he would be able to or what you'd have to do here this upcoming season, he is now going to potentially maybe be sitting again in AAA to start the season. That does not mean that is the case at this point with the Bellinger signing. I think there's still a lot of things to uncover when it comes to that position, but they do have Mike Talkman, who really showcased a very solid uh, player last year, a role player, but really showcased well in center field and was very, very disciplined at the plate and actually did show to be even better when it came to situations later in the game when he was brought into pinch hit. So right now, if you're looking at this offense, 
really give it a couple of weeks just because there are a lot of names still to come as to who could be playing first base, who could be on the bench, uh, and who could be manning center field. Now, from the standpoint of this deal, it's three years, $80 million, $27.5 million his first year, $27.5 the next year if he opts in, and $25 after that. So what this does for the Cubs, of course, is this provides flexibility when it comes to Bellinger being a Boris client. Now, the biggest concern this offseason has been with Boris leading from the front for a long time when it comes to being the top agent in the market and having the top players has now turned to has the market now changed based on the fact that teams aren't willing to raise or unbuckle the belt, unbuckle their belts, like he said for Bellinger, which is still one of the more uh, very uncomfortable one liners, Scott Boris has said. But now the market has completely changed and he has what was four agents on the market now three with Snell, Chapman, Montgomery, and Bellinger. They were not premier players when it comes to the likes of Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, some of these names that are at the top elite level of the game, Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider. So when Boris maybe thought that he deserved or that his players deserve top-level contracts, that didn't happen, and it didn't happen, I think, because teams are weary of giving such high-level contracts and length of contracts to players that still have cons- some concerns. Cody Bellinger, of course, hasn't shown success for multiple years in a row. Blake Snell walks a lot of batters. Montgomery coming on the scene now, probably the safest bet out of the group. Hasn't shown it for quite a significant amount of time. Matt Chapman coming off many injuries. So it's a lot of players that in the beginning, many people thought Cody Bellinger would get over 200 million. Matt Chapman would get over 150 million. Montgomery should get over 150. You know, Blake Snell won a Cy Young. Why isn't he getting over 200 million? Well, with the market and where things are going, especially with the fact that we've gotten to this point, it proves that teams aren't necessarily begging for these names. Now, could Boris be waiting out? For a couple things here when it comes to injuries and maybe teams making decisions on pitchers and pitchers not showcasing uh, their elite stuff here that maybe thought maybe many thought they would here this upcoming season. They may now look towards these pitchers going back to the deal here. So Bellinger gets a $10 million raise than from last year. And if this guy does end up having another successful season, he is likely to opt out of this deal and reach free agency again, which now that would put him two years in a row of very, very successful campaigns, which rightfully so, the man should go get paid. His versatility in, in uh, from a defensive standpoint is ungodly. And from an offensive standpoint, we saw what happened last year, and we know that the shoulder hindered him over the last couple of years. This is a guy that can provide that for many teams that – Hey, we can use him. He can be a three, four hole hitter, but maybe if teams want to spend a little less uh, or maybe not spend a little less, but put him in a position to be successful, maybe he's lower in the lineup on maybe some more talented teams, but for the Cubs, he fits perfectly because we needed a left-handed bat and he provides defensive versatility for taking a little, little bit of pressure off Michael Bush and PCA as Bush was likely going to be slated as the first baseman here 
coming up on opening day. At the end of the day, I wanted to see Bellinger back as a Cub, as a Cub fan, but I can see from other fans that, hey, giving a lot of money to a guy is never a good thing, especially if he's only done it for one year like Bellinger has because he hasn't done it a lot in the last couple of years. Some of the numbers, underlying numbers, say that he got lucky. What I saw last year with watching a majority of the Cub games was maybe he didn't get lucky because he was in a lot of two-strike counts and found a way to get the job done and putting the ball in play, which these days, the top-level hitters maybe aren't necessarily looking to do that, and they're looking to make damage on any pitch during the during their uh, counts at the plate. So Bellinger, though, I feel like was considered unlucky based on the fact of that he was in maybe some difficult counts that he made work of based on the fact that now he is not getting good pitches to hit. He has now made it. Uh, he has made those bats more worthwhile based on the fact that he was able to overcome those at bats by just playing the game of baseball the right way. So the Cubs, they get their big man here this off season. They pay a pretty dime for it, but I think this deal is really going to work out with it being short term, not a lot of pressure on the organization from a financial standpoint. And also to you give Cody the right to go back into free agency if he does choose. So let's look at some other th- news across the league. The Dodgers sign Kike Hernandez and send Manuel Margot in a deal over to the twins that included uh prospect shortstop, uh, Rains Duncone. I apologize if I butchered that name from to Minnesota, which they returned shortstop prospect Noah Miller. My understanding of Miller is that he is a defensive specialist. And at the end of the day, going into a great organization like the Dodgers, maybe the Dodgers turn it around in certain areas of his offensive game. If you could play the shortstop position, that means you could play multiple positions across the infield. And what that does is that provides versatility, which now looking at this deal, that's what the Dodgers get with Kike Hernandez. Manuel Margot is a fantastic ball player. Now, why did they make this move? From my opinion, it looks to be a couple things. One is that Manuel Margot, of course, is just an outfielder. Kike Hernandez can play infield as well. Number two, you save $6 million with going Kike over Margot. Kike signed a one-year $4 million deal. Margot was expected to be paid here $10 million this upcoming season. That $6 million may go towards who knows. With the way that deal worked out for Bellinger, Maybe some of the price tags for these other top free agents come down. Now, those guys are now going to potentially maybe just require short-term pillow deals. Maybe that money is saved now to go get some of those players. Wouldn't that be an unbelievable offseason? But overall, when you look at Margot, you saw a player that was getting paid more, didn't provide defensive versatility, had a little bit better speed than Kike Hernandez. Even some of the numbers even look better than Kike but I think the la- the third point here is what's most important is if from the st- if you watch how the Dodgers have played over the last couple of years, a lot of it is flair, a lot of it is uh, jolts of energy, uh, late inning heroics, and Kike Hernandez feels like he always is a part of that in some way, and has been a part of this organization in in better ways 
you know, than than none. And what reports came out to say is that Kike had deals or he was interested in four different teams. But at the end of the day, with these guys that get older, Kike's already gotten paid his big contract. When I'm in a when when you're in a position of being looking at and saying I can be comfortable, or I can make more money, but I already have a lot of money, you're probably going to choose comfort. And I think Kike saw that as an opportunity to do so, and that's what he did. Now, bench wise, it looks like him and Chris Taylor will man infield, outfield, sort of platoon roles. Okay, with Miguel Rojas being a obviously a defensive specialist in the infield, uh, and Austin Barnes being the backup catcher to Will Smith. Other names to look out for there, of course, is Miguel Vargas. He's another one that should be an interesting one to see if he makes the opening day roster. So that'll be a name to watch here moving into this upcoming uh, next upcoming weeks. The Dodgers are so loaded on the offensive side that they felt like we need somebody who can impact this team right now. Again, could Margot have done a better job from an offensive standpoint this season? Maybe, but when you look at depth, I see Kike being more valuable than Margot. So that should be interesting, though. Now with Margot going to Minnesota, does he find a role there? We'll have to see. Cardinals signed Brandon Crawford, veteran shortstop, of course, uh, an unbelievable career in San Francisco that featured multiple World Series championships. He signed a one-year deal for around two to three million. If you look at the roster right now, he is slated to be on the bench behind Mason Wynn, the really, really talented defensive uh, from a defensive standpoint, shortstop for the Cardinals, a man with a hundred plus mile per hour arm across the infield. Some of the plays I've seen thus far in spring training have been totally ridiculous. Of course, Brandon Crawford is on the on the decline of his career. Now, a guy that you know maybe saw an opportunity and said, "Hey, if Mason Wynn isn't panning out." I can have an opportunity to pop right in there shortstop and be a part of a veteran crew. And let's not forget the fact that having veterans on your bench is critical. Looking at the Diamondbacks last year, right? Look at Evan Longoria being over there at third base, a guy that many of those players had expressed how viable he was to that team and their success based on his veteran leadership. Bringing in a guy like Brandon Crawford, who has some of the best defensive videos you've ever seen when he was in in the minor league, showing his unbelievable defensive talent. A guy that, in many eyes, is one of the best defensive shortstops we've ever seen. So you bring the likes of him into a clubhouse like that. So it stays in the same strategy for the Cardinals that they would with Mason Wynn. You add a guy now, like I said, Mason Wynn maybe struggles a little bit. You can bring in Brandon Crawford to alleviate that pressure. It's a one-year deal. You're not you're not making Wynn feel like he's necessarily lost the job. It's simply to make sure that they have a little bit of backup if it doesn't work out from an offensive standpoint. So I couldn't be happier for Brandon Crawford to find another spot just because of the fact that at the end of the day, these guys, of course, are on the decline, but they still want to win. And Possibly Brandon Crawford maybe didn't have that chance anywhere else, even as a Cub fan. If the Cardinals figure it out this year, they are a legitimate contender to win the NL Central. So, and when you are a legitimate contender, if you can add depth and you can add guys that seriously want to be on the team, well, then that's a move you need to make.
couple other moves to talk about. Tim Anderson, who former AL batting king, had a really, really down year last year with the White Sox. Has found a new home in Miami. Signed a one-year deal with the Marlins here this past week. A, let's say, target, potentially, with it being a cheaper deal. I think it's around 5 or $6 million. A really nice target for potential trade during the season. But I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Miami, Miami Marl, Marlins fan, and he expressed how good Skip Schumacher is, who won the NL Coach of the Year, and how what he and what he can do with what little he has. If Tim Anderson figures it out, that is a that is actually a okay lineup. That if the pitching kind of figures it out, hopefully they let Yuri extend uh, his innings this year. Maybe Max Meyer finds uh, finally some big league time. Who knows? Especially in what happened, what we saw last year, where no one probably would have picked the Marlins to be in the position they were. Make a couple moves at the deadline. Maybe they find them way. Maybe they find themselves back in the wild card next year. A small move. But really, if you were to tell me two years ago that Tim Anderson would be signing for under $10 million, I tell you you're a fool. But this is what happens, unfortunately, to some of these guys. And we saw what happened with Cody Bellinger. And we saw that he had to get a prove-it deal like he did in Chicago last year on the north side. Could this be the Cody Bellinger of this year with Tim Anderson? Really, really intriguing to watch how he does this upcoming season. Maybe doesn't take all that baggage and everything that many people talked about from what he had on the south side in Chicago. Maybe takes a maybe takes a new approach. But if he can get back to his old self, it's a very, very nice pickup for the Marlins. Last thing to discuss here is Mitch Keller signs a five-year, seventy-seven million dollar extension with Pittsburgh Pirates. Keller had his best season last year that included his first all-star game along with featuring a 13-9 record with over 200 strikeouts at just under 200 innings, had just over a 4 ERA. This is the second largest extension in their team's history behind Reynolds' $100 million extension and just beats out Cabrian Hayes' $70 million extension he received two years ago. Was solidifying their new ace, okay? You have now solidified your... Like I just said, ace, your third baseman, which many people have picked to be a legitimate breakout candidate this year. He actually, I saw him hit a grand slam here earlier today. Swing just looks unbelievable. And mind you, he's one of the best third basemen in the game when it comes to defensively. And you extend Brian Reynolds. So now you have a top of the line outfielder, top of the line infielder, and a top of the line starter. With Paul Skeens coming up, Tamar Johnson, Jake Sawinski's now in the fold. Yes, there are some other players that might obviously like Andy Rodriguez, who's going to take this year off. But this is a team that could we see as the Reds of last year popping off a little bit, challenging the other teams in the NL Central. If Paul Skeens comes up, where Quinn Pryster takes a really nice step 
this upcoming season. It's a really fun team. And while it sucks to say it would be actually sort of fun to watch them compete as it's been tough, probably as a Pittsburgh Pirates fan over the years since losing Garrett Cole, Andrew McCutcheon leaving at one point, now coming back. This is a team that I feel like if things just go slightly right, I do actually see them being as a little bit of a dark horse. I hope that they hold on to David Bednar. As a Cub fan, I don't, but as a non-biased podcaster, if you want to call it, I hope they do. And I think this is a team that is in putting themselves in the right direction. It was huge that Keller had a massive year last year comparatively to his other years. I saw on MLB Tonight, they discussed how they felt like they were allowing him to go further into games and learning how to handle the second, third time through the lineup, which, of course, at the end of the day, starters these days don't go as long as they used to. So having him go through trial and tribulation to understand how to manage those innings has now put them in a position where Mitch Keller now has a boatload of confidence as now their opening day starter, top of the line ace, and getting paid like this, you can only imagine what that's going to do to his confidence. So Mitch Keller is a pirate now for, sorry, until the 2029 season where he'll be 33. But of course, most pitchers around the age of 28, which is where Keller had signed here today uh, with his five-year extension, generally are going to go to free agency and get paid. I think Keller probably saw an opportunity, and so did Pittsburgh, to say, hey, you had a great year last year. We see some very good things here for the future. Let's sign you to this deal. You're getting $77 million. Okay? All $77 million is guaranteed. And you could still be a free agent at 33 if you had a, a successful couple of years here. Maybe you can get a nice little deal there at the back end of your career. But I definitely see his, obviously, his prime of his career will be now. But you could see how good things are to come for this team. So, folks, I'm really excited that we're going to be bringing on uh, a guest here this week to continue our Outlook series here for the upcoming season. That'll be uh, for. Uh, Thursday show. Very excited about that. And it is just so nice that we are now four weeks away from opening day. Baseball is so back. So many storylines. I wanted to make sure I got the fellas on to, to discuss some of those storylines just because I want their opinions. And it's hard sometimes running a solo show and trying to get Opinions justified and disputed and all that, of course, when I'm running a solo show. But I think there are some very, very cool things happening right now in baseball. And I'm hoping that over the next four weeks, while we've had such a boring offseason, despite the Yamamoto and Shohei Otani signings, I think over the next couple of weeks, I think baseball can make a comeback in storylines uh, and hopefully maybe improve the uniforms. I said it. 
folks, thank you so much for tuning in for another edition of the Big Fly Pod. And we'll talk to you again here soon.